Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sato, joined, as always, by the Greek go to my dizzy. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, you know, feeling good about that deep ball, Diz. And our very own private Ace Levy. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how you doing, buddy? I thought you, you were going to maybe make me the... Neil, Neil Patrick Harris. No, I thought you were going to maybe make me the Michael jerk. Ironside. Michael no, Ironside. The jerk who gets his brain sucked out. Who steals Denise. What's her name? Denise steals. Carbon yes, Ibanez. Ibanez. Steals Ibanez. her away. Carbon. Carbon Ibanez. Get out of here. Ibanez. <laughs> Ibanez. 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 Uh, Raul. Raul. Ibanez. You, have no, you have no idea how many Raul. times I've said this name wrong on purpose so that it's just like now saying it wrong is just ingrained in my very when you look at denise richards she is clearly a carbon ibanez and not (laughs) ibanez all right so we're gonna start off with this eric uh the seahawks have made a public commitment gino is our starting quarterback they told gino privately is the starting quarterback um gino the g but the 2024 gino meter needs to be needs to be made one being is this a kiss of death because <laughs> because here's the thing okay before we before i let you let you go on this one uh b- before right before we traded russell wilson um Pete carroll basically Pete carroll and john center both said uh, hey we want to keep him so yes. this is meaningless okay so where's the 2024 gino meter one is gino is definitely starting for a team that is not the seahawks in week one 10 being if it is a dead lock that he is starting for the Seattle Seahawks in week one. Okay. And then you can go anywhere in between, you know, like any level yeah. of uncertainty in between those two things. Where's your 2024 genometer, Eric? Wait, so uh, 10 is a deadlock and one is a drew lock. Oh yeah. yeah nice. Yeah, Kevin. Yeah, nice. nice. Uh, leave it to Kevin. Always coming with that good stuff. Okay. So a week ago it was a 10. Like I, if we drafted quarterback, it, uh, it was like a nine and a half. And now it's like a six. The genometer <laughs> is at a six. Because the minute they saw that, I was just like, what? Okay. So you're officially saying, eh. Because there's no better way to say in the NFL, eh, than saying, hey, that guy's our guy. Don't ask us any questions because we can't pull deals if you keep asking us questions. Even the wishy-washy, like the, I feel like they, they overcorrected on the wishy-washy, uh, like, semi-commitment they did the week before because they realized it was going to like tank any potential trade value if they do end up trying to trade him so instead of being like oh yeah well you know gino's our starter till he's not they're like no he's definitely our starter you have to come get him which i think is smart because if they are gonna if they're gonna try something different or you know do a, it do is a, but it's a little behind the times which is kind of what i thought Pete carroll was <laughs> like Pete carroll would float things and then he'd float the opposite and you're like oop he caught himself so uh, it's good to see we're still doing that yeah, um, I don't know. They scouted all the quarterbacks at the combine. They de- or the the combine, whatever. <laughs> as they as the I uh, my, my NFL well, draft podcast, uh, the NFL draft podcast called the com- combine. Uh, okay, uh, yeah, I don't know. Gino, for me, it's like an eight. He's probably very probably the starter. But uh, if they, you know, if the things fall the right way, someone offers us a top of the first ra- top half of the first round draft pick. Or some kind of player plus pick package that we're really into that we think can push us in the right direction. I don't think there's it's out of the question for us to be like, okay, we're gonna go eight games of Drew Lock into a rookie. That is not out of I the mean, question for me. Yeah, would it? Would that be the end of the world? I don't think it would. No, it wouldn't. Gino's better than that. <laughs> just just to make that clear too. Yes. If Atlanta, if Atlanta comes to us and they say two oh nine plus AJ Terrell for for uh for Gino, and we're like, yeah, sure, that's an amazing deal. We're we're doing that great cool we did that 
um, that still means we're going to be way worse at quarterback than if Gino, if Gino was yeah. here. So that's the that's the downside. Kevin, any thoughts? Where's your Gino meter? Uh, yeah, first of all, if we do the trade like you're talking about, that's basically like we're taking leeches to the organization and bleeding everything dry for a season. Uh, all dead money welcome. And then uh, starting over the fresh wa- roster the year after next. Um, I think if if we end up trading Gino for right. like a package kind of like that. Um, I was at a nine. And then McDonald was basically like, yeah, I don't really know this Gino guy. He seems kind of all right. Like, seems like a good dude. I heard that he's good at picking out restaurants. There's that weird thing with a linebacker. Not really sure what's going on. And I was like, wow, it's like a five. That's not, this isn't very, this isn't very confidence inspiring at all. And then the front office came out with their kiss of death comment. And I'm like, oh, I see our head coach and front office just haven't figured out how to message the same way. Um, seven. Yeah, (laughs) somewhere in the middle for sure. Uh, Okay, so very likely unless someone kind of godfathers us like the Steelers or the Vikings or the Falcons, some team that believes they are closer or or they're more towards the end of their need to compete because here's a different like a second this year and a first next year or like a first this year and a first or a second next year or something like that. Yeah, some kind of some some package either involving a Pro Bowl caliber player and a pick, you know, of a day two pick or or a first round pick. That's I think what it takes to get Gino uh, right now. And I just I'm not sure anyone's ready to to pay it yet. I think someone's going to get left out in the carousel, and then maybe we can try to bleed them a little bit. That's that's the hope, right? Is that like the Vikings just get iced in this situation, or the Falcons get iced, and they think they're ready to compete? They want to they want a quarterback, and we're just like, well, we have a quarterback, and you can you can get him, but you got to kind of overpay. Um, it's it's weird too because the, all the messaging too. Geno's contract is worth is valuable because of it's actually the value of the quarterback. It's not over or under. It's so true. He's paid. He's like the fit. He's like the 14th to 12th to 14th best quarterback. And he's paid like the 12th to 14th best quarterback where usually guys in that range are paid like the first best quarterback, which is a very unique situation. Um, makes Gino pretty valuable. Okay. Marshawn Lynch hall of fame, Eric, he's on the ballot. Do you, what do you think are the chances of Marshawn Lynch getting into the hall of fame? Do you, is there, is this a, is this, is he going to make it or is he a ways away? Uh, I think he's going to make it. I don't think he's going to be unanimous, but um, he's won a Super Bowl. He's man, look what he did when he came over from Buffalo. Okay, very few running backs do that. And when he was in Buffalo, he was still a good quarterback. Or I'm sorry, <laughs> running back. But the way he kind of took charge and became a thing in the NFL, especially during a time when like Ladanian Tomlinson. Sean Alexander, those types of running backs were not a commodity. They weren't like, remember uh, in the early two thousands, uh, right before Marshawn Lynch, probably like when he was drafted, those were those guys, those guys that would carry the team would always win MVP. Um, we entered the, the age of like the ground and pound running back um, with like Frank Gore, Marshawn Lynch. But look what Marshawn did during that time, winning a Super Bowl. <laughs> I yeah, think the writers will also see that he he himself could have won that second Super Bowl. And I just feel like that's that kind of cements him in as a Hall of Famer. Plus, he's like he's America's sweetheart. Like everyone loves him. An all time great playoff running back, which I think is like how you make the case, because he is right on the borderline in terms of like career accomplishments. So you have mm-hmm. to make the case based on he was a great playoff running back. And that is true. He was a great playoff running back. So 
Yeah, I think he makes it. Time comparison you'll never hear. I think he makes it, but it takes a while. You know, it's not like first ballot. It's like you know, he's he gets in after a couple. I think he might. What's your comparison, Kevin? Uh, Marshawn Lynch is uh, Eli Manning running back. Like he kind of defines an era. His counting stats are high because he played at a solid level for a long time. Um, I think the difference is that you can make a really solid argument that Marshawn was top two, top three at his position for um, a stretch of a few years. But uh, I think Eli Manning's the big, like you can't tell the story of this without him kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. I feel like uh, more so than anyone else, like Marshawn Lynch is the offensive side of the LOB era. And that defines the 2010s. So I think like Nathan saying him being a quality playoff running back is a big deal. I think the other piece of that is um, kind of with the personality piece you were talking about, Eric, is that he's a big part of the story with um, iconic moments like the beast quake and uh, like his Super Bowl performances. Those playoff moments are the yeah, other legendary. Okay. Uh, we were, t- we retained hardly any of the previous coaching staff, but one notable rate person was retained uh ivan lewis in the strength and conditioning team now at first i was like ew because like you know we've made joke a lot of jokes about how we have injury problems on our team but after that player survey came out and they gave the strength team an a minus i'm like and then we were like ranked like eighth i was like all right maybe he's just a vibe you know like i don't care <laughs> you you need vibe merchants you know you need people around your organization who just are like the right vibes and if the strength team is the correct vibes uh Okay, fine. Just keep him. I don't care. Like, it's it's not the only reason we're getting injured. The the training staff actually got dragged pretty hard in that same survey, and so maybe that's the source of our injury problems. And we've been misappropriating it to Ivan the the whole time. That's kind of where that's where that's where I've, I kind of am, am landing now because I mean I'm not in the building, and these NFLPA surveys um, did do they do reveal some interesting stuff. So that's kind of um that's kind of where I'm at. It's like it's. It, you know, I'll, I'll wait and see. I'm wait, I'm, wait, I'm in wait and see. That's where I'm at. Uh, Do you guys have any reaction to Ivan being retained? Man, I was so disappointed, especially when we <laughs> talked about it in the podcast. Like it was, fi- it was finally what, time. A couple right? weeks ago, it was like, oh man, we did it. We got rid of him. And it's like, oh no, we didn't. <laughs> no, it was we like didn't. we're at we George didn't. Bush flying the mission accomplished remember, banner at right about now. Remember, <laughs> right. remember when? I, remember when we were doing that? We were talking the other week, oh, and I was like, man. hey, when I look on Wikipedia. He's still on there as the strength coach. And, I, like, the, and Eric yeah. was like, Eric was like, that doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> I, w- I went back to the early days of Wikipedia and that's never true. It's never true. You can't trust it. And then, but, and then the week later it comes out. It's like, no, we actually have retained the strength and conditioning staff. So it's like, which, oh. which when you ask players, it's like they like him. Everything's fine. But then apparently there's, there's still the injury issue. And I don't know. I, what do I know? I'm not. I'm not any. I don't know anything about strength and conditioning other than I don't like to do it. So, <laughs> I I speaking of conditioning, like I I uh, I played basketball this week and I hadn't played in a really long time, and I I was like, oh, none of the exercising I'm doing involves sprinting anymore. This is harsh. <laughs> like like it's just different. You know, I don't ever sprint. I just ride. Welcome to my I, world, Nathan. <laughs> I I ride an exercise bike and I walk around. Like I don't. I don't ever sprint and now I'm sprinting and now I'm coughing because it's not because it's not because I'm not used to this anymore. I was like, I need to play basketball more again. It's like it's very, very hard. But then also at 37, do I really want to snap my Achilles playing basketball? Probably not. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So 
Last thing as a quick one, McDonald was not at the combine. He was doing his installs instead. This does not matter. Do not worry about it. We have the, we had of organizations getting new coaches. We had the most like continuity and scouting staff, GM uh, over, over all that. So it does not really make a huge difference that McDonald was not there unless him and John communicate exceptionally poorly, which we will find out in the coming months, I guess, if that's, <laughs> if that's the case, yeah. because that, all right, Kevin, we'll start off with wide receivers. Uh, this is a loaded wide receiver class. We have testing numbers now. Uh, this is crazy. Uh, number one wide receiver in this in this uh, rookie class for you is uh, no surprise here. It's Marvin Harrison Jr. I okay. I will say this. I, it's closer for me than than you might think. But okay, so my top, top three two guys. is a tier, I think. and my third wide receiver is a separate tier. But I will say all three of them would have been the top wide receiver last year. All three of them would have been in the running for the top wide receiver the year before. Yeah, they, these guys all these guys all have stuff that I think makes them on the level or maybe even a slight level above JSN. So I would agree with that. Like this is a extremely extremely strong wide receiver class. So Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, other than being Marvin Harrison's son, <laughs> what do you, what do you like about him? If you were to take the Marvin Harrison name off of this and he was just like prospect, why? What if he what if he was Jeff? Yeah, his name was Jeff. Was, his name Jeff. Uh, he's okay. So he's six three, two hundred nine pounds. Has almost thirty two inch arms, um, nine and a half inch hands. Those are good measurables that you want. And he didn't do the uh, athletic testing because only, no one cares. Not only is he not doing the athletic testing at the com- com- combine, the combine, he's not doing he's not doing the athletic testing at pro day at pro day either. He's not doing care. anything. He's like, he's like the tape stands on its own. I will say this: it's you a what, you what it does. It's a huge, it's a huge swag move, and he's right. He's right. <laughs> but I think if he wasn't Marvin Harrison's son, like he people yeah, would he'd talk. have to run. Yeah, people that's, would people would talk because because everyone they knows would definitely talk because <laughs> everyone knows Marvin Harrison's work ethic, and so and and that has obviously gotten passed down to his kid, and it's like. He gets he kind of gets to live off his dad's reputation a little bit as like I, I you know did this whereas like a guy like Roma Dunze did not does not get to do that and so he, no. everyone everyone just gasses gasses Roma Dunze up because he's now trying to get a six six three cone and won't let anyone leave the combine. Did you see this? <laughs> Which is no, the best. I did not he, so, see that. So he so he's doing this three is like cones. Tin cup with three cones. And, it's great. And he and he keeps knocking over the last cone and it's slow it's slowing him down by like point two, point three. And he's like, I could get in the six sixes. He's like screaming, but like and like people are and he's like, ah, you know, every time. But and he won't let them leave. He's like, then they're like, you can just take your time. Six eight eight is fourth right now. You're doing fine. And he's just like, no, I'll try again. But he never got it. I Wow. So anyway, back to back to Marvin Harrison Jr. though. Great route runner. Um he, he basically looks like uh, if Marvin yeah, Harrison was running elite. Mount, Mount, if Marvin Harrison was six foot three, uh that's what he would this is what he would look like instead of five eleven or whatever. Um I'll say this. Uh he doesn't break any tackles. I think like he has to have space to be at his best. And he's not gonna be like running dudes over or like um I don't find him like particularly elusive in the open field. He's going to be like the kind of wide receiver who just gets like 12 yards, gets tackled or gets like big catch. You know what he's going to be like? He's going to be like taller, better Tyler Lockett, like like where he just like he's always open. He's always making plays, but he's not like getting a bunch of extra yards or anything. No yak. Stuff. Unless you scheme him open. Unless you scheme him open. There's drag routes and stuff. And then he's like kind of an angles nightmare. Because he's yes. one of those guys who always looks like he's moving slower than he is, and DBs take bad angles on him. Footwork, hands, route running are like all a- a- S plus, like the the best you you will see in a college tape. 
um, yeah, he and he's not, it's not and the breaking tackle thing's not for lack of effort. He's trying. It's just not part of his game. Uh, so like if I had to 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 pick at him at all, you know, he's not. And it's how, not that he lacks strength in this game. He's also a good contested catch guy. No, like he high points well. He, get, he has really strong hands. He just like doesn't have the and he's athletic enough. He just doesn't have shake. I'm literally playing the game as why is he not Calvin Johnson? Like, OK, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like exactly. He's, he's not Calvin Johnson, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> why is he not Calvin Johnson? This is why. But he's like pretty he might be Larry Fitzgerald. He's pretty good. Yes, that's a good comparison as well. Like, he's pretty good otherwise. All right, let's go to number two. I think we have the same guy. Um, This is more like one B for me, though, rather than two. Uh, Malik Neighbors. Yeah, that's my that's my number two guy as well. My comp on him, he kind of reminds me like uh, Jalen Waddle or Garrett Wilson coming out, where he's very quick, very twitchy, but he has long speed too. Um, He didn't run at the combine either, but if he would, I would have expected something in the high four threes, low four fours. Um, so do you know who he reminds me of? Mm. You're going to like this. Antonio Brown. Okay. Because Antonio Sorry. Brown. Who? Clown Tonio. Oh, yeah. Clown. I know that guy. <laughs> clown Tonio Clown. Uh, okay. Do you know why? Because he has the ability to seamlessly switch gears in a way that constantly befuddles uh, enemy uh, defensive backs. Yeah. Where he like, like nobody can cover him because this guy changes speeds in a way that you cannot possibly cover. It's like incredible how the way he's just able to find extra gears and more gears and then lower down into lower gears but back up to crazy high gear it's like absurd he is an absurd football player um I th- his footwork and his double moves make it so even though he's not huge he could still play outside but he would be an elite slot receiver like yeah he's he'll need time to build out the route tree i think he's not like going to be as immediately impactful as marvin harrison jr because he was asked to do less but yeah. um, he's explosive after after the catch, and he's really hard to tackle. This guy's way harder to tackle than than Marvin Harrison Jr. So, like that's a where he kind of caught back up a little bit. Yeah, for me. fifty-one so, missed tackles forced good, over good the last luck, two seasons. Good luck tackling this guy. Just an absolutely absurd, uh, absurd guy in the open field. Uh, yeah, he rules. All right, Romadunze. Uh, so here's the thing about Romadunze is that I think he had potential to put himself more clearly into the one-two. 1A, 1B, 1C category right here with his combine because there was rumors. He's going to run a 4-3-4. He's going he's gonna to run a 6-6-3 cone. And I think that's from his team. He put that out there and then he went to the combine and did slightly worse than that. And even though it's not bad enough that I'm going to be like, oh, this guy's bad because he's huge, 6-3-2-12. He is a contested catch monster. He still ran just fine for his size. Yeah, 4-4-5-40 um, at 6-3-2-12 is good. He uh, he won the 4A state title, the 200 meters in high school. Uh, he's done he's done some crazy stuff, and then his off season training, he, you know, he has all these great times. Maybe at his pro day, he gets it all back. But for me, he kind of just worked his way into the clear like number three guy for me uh, at this point. Good, really good football player though. Really good tape. Yeah, any, if, I, if any of these guys are available at 16, I'm all, I'm all for it. Yep, <laughs> well, I'm all for it. You just take them. They're that good. The big thing, um, 2022 with his size, uh, watching him do contested catch work, it was like, this guy should, like, it was one of those, he, he kind of had that thing we talk about sometimes with DK, where you're like, he's not playing to his size the way you want to see it. And last year, he played to his size. Um, he caught 21 out of 28 con- contested catches, and you could tell it wasn't just like a change in luck. He got better at using his leaping and body control to, like, shield the ball from the defensive back. Yeah, just it's a joy to throw his tape on. 
All right, those three were obvious. I think most people have heard of those guys. They know about them. This is where it gets fun because I think between four and about, I don't know. Let me look at my list here. I think there's about, I don't know, seven or eight guys you could reasonably put at four and five here. It is a very deep, strong wide receiver class. And for me, none of these guys have strongly separated from each other in a way that makes me think that's definitely the one, uh, mostly because I don't like to... I mean, sometimes I like I'm maybe hedging a little bit, but I've got five dudes in this tier also like like and then right, my okay. next tier is not far behind it. Yeah. So, OK, so, Kevin, who did yep. you end up putting at number four, though? I'm ready. Uh, I ended up going with Brian Thomas Jr. at number four okay. out of LSU. Um, so and it's because he is immediately projectable as a vertical routes deep threat. And that is a thing that immediately pays dividends in the modern NFL. Like he's six, three, 209 pounds, uh, 32 inch arms, runs a four, three, three, 40 yard and uh, has a 38 and a half inch vertical, 126 inch broad, um, which you see that on tape. His leaping ability is good. Um, he stretches the field vertically. Um, he's a limited route runner, uh, but he's a strong yak guy. So like when it comes to just being athletic or taking the top off a of defense, uh, basically, if you want Martavis Bryant that doesn't get in trouble with the law all the time, uh, he can be at least that. And that has a role immediately. Yeah. I did not uh, pick. I have him sixth. He was like my first guy off the list. I went with right. Adonai, Adonai Mitchell. I have him sixth. Number four. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So so I went Adonai Mitchell. I'm. It is well known at this point, I think, that I'm obsessed with Texas's wide receivers from last year. I think both of them are extremely good. Um, and so I went with Adonai Mitchell. He's big. He has like uh, – he did find – and he ran a 4-3-4. He, his explosive stats were crazy. His 39.5-inch vert, 136-inch broad jump, which, which is, is 100, disgusting. 100th per, that is 100th percentile for wide receivers. His burst off the line is nuts. Um, he – he people were worried that he wouldn't have elite speed um and he kind of went in the in the combine and kind of proved everyone wrong and i moved him up from five to four because of it uh because i just think he has is super promising like it's he looks like the prototypical x receiver in the nfl like he has everything he just plays a little smaller than his size which is frustrating at times um like as far as uh can catch uh doesn't track press physically and track deep balls well like I didn't yeah. understand it. Like he just doesn't like it. So, but he, but the physical tools are all there, and I think he's just a good, like, solid. Hey, this guy gets six hundred yards his rookie year, and then he breaks out his second year for the. He also the breaks tackles like Marvin Harrison Jr. Yes, <laughs> I I agree. Um, but yeah, he he does good on the on the sidelines too with the with his feet. Um, which yeah. I really like. Uh, okay, number five then, Kevin. Who do you got? Do we do we come in the same on this one? Uh, it depends. How much are you a hydro homie? Oh, whoa. You went all the way there. I had him at Xavier Worthy. Chugs water to number five. I couldn't do it. He's my favorite, Uh, but I put him at seven. (laughs) You guys see that I chugged water. I'm sorry. He's my favorite because I have number five. You can't take, you can't take Xavier Worthy. (laughs) I told you he was in the debate. Remember when I, so in the discord, we have this channel called film room and I was like, Kevin, have you done Xavier Worthy yet? It's so amazing. And then I was like, but this guy's like 110 pounds. You got to chug some water. Xavier Worthy (laughs) chug club, chug, chug, chug. He weighed in at 165 first percentile, by the way. He also was 5'11", so he's two inches shorter than they were listing him. Yeah. So yeah, he's and he's five eleven. Yeah, and he's shorter. 
but he ran a 4-2-1. He jumped 41 inches. He broadened 131, so one inch short of the uh, the 100th percentile broad jump. Uh, his 10-yard split was 1.49, which is absolutely bonkers. And this guy is like an elite, elite route runner, playmaker, um, can play X or slot. Uh, you know, it's reminiscent of Tank Dell. It's how you feel about like a guy like Tank Dell last year. Uh, if, if you learn the lesson from last year with Tank Dell, it's that you should not judge a guy just based on their size, right? Yeah, Deshaun Jackson is the is the comp, I just think. He's that guy who can just all like he might go two games where he like disappears and then he catches four passes for three touchdowns and 170 yards in a game and you're just like and okay one, that was just his and game. one of them and one of them was like a three-yard slant that he just housed because yes. he's so fast yeah <laughs> like, my no. exact scouting read up adequate height toothpick skinny return skills plus deep speed and change of uh, direction make for deadly routes um he's a good as a deep threat or on manufactured touches uh, his feet, his footwork, and his deep uh, threat help him get off press better than you would think. Um, and he is really good at like start stop. Uh, he's really a stop on a dime runner, which uh, gives him a little bit of extra shake as well as uh, working on routes. Um, the the only concern I had was he, he was a little he had a few more drops than I would like. Uh, so I guess in that way maybe he has a little bit of a uh, oh what was his name Fuller. Uh, who was drafted by the Texans? Will Fuller. The Will, Will Fuller. Fuller. You know what? It's right. I'll just let it. Let it. Say. I'm with you. Save your worthy rules. Um, other guys that you probably should consider, like in this range, like Troy Franklin, Lad McConkey, mm-hmm. uh, Keon Coleman. If you just hate separation but love everything else, uh, Kenny Galladay <laughs> was my comp for Keon Coleman. I just can't get with him, man. I I, I know, but I know everyone looks at him and they see the physical tools. If you're just going to take a physical tools wide receiver, just take Johnny Wilson. Who cares? Like go all in. Don't take. They, neither of these guys can separate, so you might as well take the one that's like six seven two thirty seven <laughs> instead of the one that's six two two hundred. I don't know. Um, I think there's going to be some really good like round three receivers, like Jermaine Burton out of Alabama, uh, Ricky Pearsall out of uh, Florida. Jalen Polk. Like the thing is, all these guys can't go in round two. And they're right. all round, they're all round two guys. Mc, Malachi McMillan, Corley is really interesting. Xavier Leggett's not bad. Um did, did what did Xavier Leggett Legg- measure in at? Did he measure at 6'3? Six, six he measured six one. Six, six one, two twenty one. He he basically liar. is AJ Brown. <laughs> He's a liar, is what he is. And that's the thing is though, he has to play like AJ Brown in order to like be successful. And AJ Brown, I don't know anybody else that's his measurables and plays like him. So you're kind of asking for a narrow path to victory. I think he might end up being kind of like uh, Traylon Burks, okay. which is not the receiver that you're being promised. Uh, my guy who's going to be down the draft board that I really love, Malik Washington out of Virginia, is five eight and a half, 191 pounds. He had this crippling injury called playing for Northwestern's offense that really hamstrung him his first uh, few years in college. Uh, he transferred to Virginia and was just a do everything kind of gadgety guy, but he he really has a lot of wide receiver skills. He reminds me of Wandale Robinson, who I really like coming out of Kentucky. He's a guy who could go on day three and immediately become an impactful slot receiver plus. Nice. All right. Um, yeah, I have like one guy uh, that's really weird, but <laughs> I kind of want to save it. I think he's going to be like a UDFA that everyone gets into. Um, but you, got- you just see Hayden Hatton from Idaho, just like a, he, oh. he's like really 
really uh, like a UDFA round seven guy that I think people are going to get into as they like start going deeper and deeper into their their draft prep because he just dominated Idaho, Idaho though. So, so so you don't know. And Idaho went back down to FCS too. It's not an FBS school anymore. So um, all right, let's go to running backs now. Running backs in this draft. Uh, I'm going to start because I overall I'm just going to say I'm not crazy impressed with any of these guys. There is not a there's not a Bijan Robinson in this draft. There's not even a Javante Williams. I don't think uh, we're like we're like in range where like the best like where do you think if you were doing your draft prep where do you think are are uh, Ken Walker and uh, Zach Charbonnet. Zach Charbonnet. Would they they would both be the number one running back in this draft. Yeah, I do too. I I think that there's a couple running backs that would be close, but let me put it this way. I have, I wouldn't, I I think, I think one or two running backs will go in the top 50. I don't think any should go in the top 50. I think back half of round two is the first time you should see a running back pop up. This is okay. So who's your, who's your number one? Uh, okay, so my tiers are um, guys I, that could be really, really good. Oh, you didn't even you were you were like I don't want to order these guys. They're not they're not worth. It. <laughs> so my number one is Jalen Wright out of Tennessee. Hey, me too. All right, we agree. Uh, nice. Yeah, his athletic testing was really good. Um, I he had he's pretty elusive. Um, he's good at making it so the tacklers are only half tackling him. Like he's got these kind of weird like dead leg like stutter step moves to make it so you just never get a like solid contact on them um and he does have the breakaway gear uh his footwork needs to be cleaner he has Um, good contact balance that's like one thing i wrote down in my notes it's like good contact balance because it matters a lot more than you think when i'm lately i've noticed the running backs who can run with good contact balance and then of course you fall forward guys those are your yards after like 4.35 yards after contact Really good. Uh, also, he's Feldman's freaks, guys. So you know, I you, <laughs> you know, I you know, I had him on there for that. But yeah, his his combine was pretty solid. You're right, four three. You're at four three eight, right? And he yep. did a one one thirty four broad, which is yep. really really far. It's explosive. Um, and but he's kind of a one year wonder. His only production really was last year. Um, like he played some in 2022, but it just like he was a much better player this last year, including his pass blocking and his receiving being a bigger part of his game. If he's going to be an every down back, he's going to need to gain weight. And if he's going to play every down, he also needs to develop in the passing game. So he has, has a, he has a path to being like a, like a three down back more than most of these guys. But, uh, he's just, he's, he's got to work for it. He's going to have Kenneth to work Walker's for it. Walker's my comp. And I would have him as a weaker prospect than Kenneth Walker because Kenneth Walker showed it multiple years. Um, he just showed it the one, but he has that same like home run potential where he could round off into a complete back. I agree. All right. Who's number two for you? Uh, Jonathan Brooks out of Texas. Okay. I don't get Jonathan Brooks. So this will be good for me. Like I <laughs> just don't get it. I don't, don't can you, What do you love about Jonathan Brooks? I'm ready. Okay. So uh, adequate size. Uh, he's mm-hmm. six foot two sixteen. Um, he's got big enough hands. You're not worried about fumbling. And he only has uh, one fumble in the last two seasons, which uh, I like the the security there. Um, yards after contact, he had five yards after contact in a limited role in 2022 because Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson were there. So you don't get to touch the football when you have those two guys in front of you. Um, 3.91 yards after uh, yards after contact this last year. And on film, 
He's a arm. He's he breaks arm tackles. Um, he has really solid shake, so he can kind of make the first guy miss. Um, he had one season of productivity that included an ACL injury. He's coming off an ACL injury, but he's uh, the only other back that I think could be like a truly complete back along with Jalen Wright. So that's why he's up here in this tier. Like his pass blocking was good. His pass catching was good. Um, he showed everything in a one year sample size. I think he just I runs into contact more than I want. Yeah, he has a little Thomas. I, I, okay. I was going to say, I just want Miles Sanders in his game, man, where he just like doesn't go. And the, the thing is, is Texas is opening up these gigantic holes for him. And it's like, sometimes he still is not fine. It's like, dude, just run to where the, he doesn't, I don't know. His decision making is questionable to me. I still had him in my top five, but I just didn't have. I he's first for like a lot of people, and I'm just like I don't. I think totally Jalen Wright his skill set only better, so it's it would be hard for me to put him first. He was yeah. closer to being in my second tier than he was to being my number one. Yeah. So okay. Yeah, I, I had him closer to five, but let's just keep going. Number three. Well, who's your two? Who's my Who's my two? Yeah. Uh, Bucky Irving. Oh, he's way down my list. He's tiny, but I think he can find a role. Like I, I'm at the point with a lot of these running backs when I when I did this after after right, I was like, what guys do I see who can like completely fulfill uh, a role? Um and like okay. Bucky Irving has the ability to turn any touch he gets into a touchdown. You and I have reverse <laughs> on this because my tier three is like running backs, I see a thing that they do. And my tier two is guys that could be a complete back. Yeah, I was like, um, I was basically after 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 right, and I and to an extent, uh, I do understand. Like Brooks, I understand now why you say that he could be good. After that, I was like, who does a thing? Like, yeah. that's, that's, and See, I was like, I have Bucky Irving behind Blake Corum and Ray Davis because I think all three of them. Ray Davis was the same Ray thing. Davis's number was number uh, three for me. I like Ray Davis okay. a lot. My Ray number Davis? three is Trey Benson. Trey Benson. All right. Uh, again, really good athletic testing. If you look at his uh, kind of um, his athletic profile, as well as his high college production, if you were going to do that, the comp is Jonathan Taylor. The problem is that he gets injured a lot and he's not quite to that height. So he kind of reminds me. Do you remember Ryan Matthews on San Diego where he was like, like good, but he could never play more than 14 games in a season? I think Why, that's Trey Benson. Yeah, but Trey Benson, the problem with Trey Benson is, is that he invites contact way too much when he doesn't need to. Like he, he, this guy could easily just go around people. He's fast enough. He's explosive. He, every once in a while he does do it, but instead he's just like, no, nah, I'm going to try to run this guy over, which is like a cool mentality, I guess, but he's not as good at running people over as he if is. If I'm drafted you, I just need a rookie contract, baby. <laughs> yes. He is going to get hurt. I agree. Um, Marshawn Lloyd. Someone I want to talk about. He's well. my number four. Yeah, is Marshawn Lloyd is a. He seems like the kind of guy who's going to be uh, the Mike Davis career path of like this guy's pretty good at a lot of different things and is pretty solid all around. Picks up the blitz and he can catch passes and he's ca- uh, super capable. But like he doesn't run with the level of like uh, viciousness that you really need him to 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 for him to be like the the star the star. Um, I think part of that though is USC's O line was bad, but even in even when they threw it to him in space, it was like he just kind of got what he got. It was not like a, I don't know, really because he had <laughs> forty seven missed tackles forced in uh, one hundred and fifteen attempts, 
and uh, he's been good. around four yards after contact. Um, I the catching abilities like, the catching ability stood out to me though. Like he, yeah, um, yeah. So that like he he's gonna be a good catcher. That's he's good the catcher. one where I felt like his his hold up was his vision's unreliable. Like you were talking about with uh, Jonathan Brooks, where sometimes I'm like, there, there's that you don't have to run into that contact. That linebacker, you could just go around him. Yeah, you're faster than he, is. he was indecisive at the line of scrimmage. He just yeah, like, a little Trey Sermon in him. Little stand there, a little stand there and look, and it's like, dude, just just run, just run. You're fine. You're very fast. Um, just run. All right, so your t- so your top five to go back was, was I have Jalen Wright, right? Jonathan Brooks, Brooks, Trey Benson, Benson, Marshawn Lloyd, and then Ray Davis. No. No, who's your next guy? Uh, and this was Blake before Horn. the combine. Uh, okay. Oh, it's the Louisville guy, Isaac, Isaac Grando. Yeah, his his tape was fun, and I, and he yes. crushed the combine. This guy, this guy might be the sleeper for sure. He could be a he could be a three down back, a hundred percent. So him and Tyrone Tracy out of Purdue are both converted wide receivers okay. that showed that they can legitimately run. Uh, Gorenda has the benefit of being, uh, cause that's Gorenda. I was trying to figure out why he was coming out so old and why he like didn't have a lot of stats going back. And it was because he converted from, uh, running back to wide receiver while he was at Wisconsin. And he basically okay. had to learn the position completely. So okay. him being an older back that, doesn't bother me as much. That would explain why he runs so upright for running back too. Yeah. He runs really upright for, so does that's Tracy. like, that's my, like my downside for him. But I feel like both of them, like, if you want a receiver, uh, a running back that can split out and play in the slot, if you want a guy that can do gadget plays, if you want a guy that has home run speed, um, these guys can all do that, especially Grendo. Grendo's just a better athlete, which is why I have him above Tyrone Tracy. But I think uh, the two of them are the other two backs in this draft that I could see becoming the lead back in a committee. Hey, and then just to, just to, just to tell people, you know, uh, the junior thing doesn't always help you because Frank Gore Jr. is in this draft, and um, nope, that's it. Like uh, Frank Gore Jr. is like it's five eight two. That doesn't help. It's like either. it's like it, it. So it's it's the opposite of Marvin Harrison, where Marvin Harrison Jr. is Marvin Harrison but big. Frank Gore Jr. is Frank Gore but small. He's, little Frank, little Frank Gore, and I, I don't even think he'll probably stick around in NFL rosters for like ten years because he. Just probably he's smart. He doesn't mess up, but he doesn't move the pile. He'll probably learn blitz pickup really well and be somebody's yeah. Travis Homer. He'll be he'll be on their special teams and he'll he'll make, play around. Yeah, he'll be he'll be solid. Yeah, he, but he but he's a seventh round pick for a reason. Okay, anybody else you want to talk about before we uh, we uh, head out of running backs? Um, uh, any other guys stood out to you? So two guys that I just want to talk about because it's funny that they exist. Um, Braylon Allen and Audric Estime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they say the fullback is dead. Braylon Allen is so big. <laughs> They're and, he ran a four, like and he ran a four, dudes. four, right? Uh, Braylon Allen, uh, when I checked the numbers, he hadn't, he either hadn't run yet or didn't run. Oh, this is a projected four, four. It's yeah. from, uh, yeah, he ran a four, four in the off season workouts. Oh, this is, this is a Roma Dunze four, four right here. Yeah. So he's probably like a four, four, eight, <laughs> but that's still really fast for two thirty five, man. That's moving. Yeah, he reminds me kind of a Brian Robinson. So if he doesn't get shot, we can see what that career trajectory looks like. Yeah. Um, he could be the power back in a committee, and that's that's a role. Uh Audric Estime had a four seven one forty, which I 
here's the thing. I watched this dude's tape and he pulls away from linebackers that I have timed 40 yard dashes from. So I'm not really sure why he ran a four seven one. I need to go back and watch his running of the 40 and just see if he had like a really he's, bad. I think like, he's more bursty. Cause like his, his agility is way are more of good. a second gear than a third gear. I agree. But like in the open field, he had to be chased down by DBs. He wasn't getting chased down by like defensive ends and four seven one. You're getting chased down by like a fast three tech at seven at four seven one. I want to say one thing about Braylon Allen too is he can catch passes. He could fall into like a Kyle use check role if someone else tries to run that offense. Yeah. Uh, where because he he can he has soft hands like that. He's not getting anything after the catch, but neither is Kyle use check. Like Lat Murray. Uh, yeah, where he just he just catches the ball and he falls forward and gets eleven yards, and that's all you really needed him to do because he's soft hands and he's open. Um. And I agree and on Audric estimate. Like, I don't get it either. Like, he's – but he does have good size, and his tape is not horrible. So you could you got to take it. him, like, like, way late. I would not take him before, take like, him the Take him, like, sixth. round five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take him in round five. It's, but that's, like, a lot of these guys. A lot of these these running backs, you don't want – you don't want any of these guys. Like, that's the thing I think is that all, – Some of these guys – Marshawn Lloyd, Isaac Garendo, Tyrone Tracy. I want whichever one I can get in the fourth. These, Whichever one I get in the fourth or fifth, that's my favorite one. These running backs, someone people are going to draft them too high because you know everyone says, "Oh, you just get running backs on rookie contracts," and then that that's the the magic key or whatever. You know, you, you don't need to spend up on running back. But at some point, like all of the athletes are not going to be running backs anymore because that's that's what happens is if if you are if you are a guy who and you are six three two forty forty five and you're a great athlete. And you could be the best running back who ever lived. Guess what you're going to do? You're going to play outside linebacker. Because yeah. why would you ever play running back at that point? You're a great athlete. You could you could tote the rock. Sure, you'd be amazing. But no, I'm going to play defensive end because it's like way more money. And so that's what's happening is there is talent just leaking out of this position where it's not like it used to be. And I do think guys like Christian McCaffrey, Bijan Robinson, uh, these really elite, elite, elite halfbacks are going to start to retain more value than they used to. Um, there's a joke going around like football dork Twitter because guy boxes are getting lighter and lighter in terms of total weight in the box to the point where people are saying it's, it's going to be time soon. It's going to be time to establish it. Kevin, it's going to, you know, who would do that too? Pete Carroll, but uh, Jim Harbaugh. Oh, Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. He, he's ready to establish it a hundred percent. He's ready to establish the run. And I don't even think it's a bad idea because if you're going to throw all these light, light, light boxes on it where I can have my big giant guards out there washing two people out of the play every play. Yeah. Okay. Let's do, let's do, uh, let's do some, let's pancake a dude and then try to get our hand on another dude and run the ball up the field. That's probably going to be successful on some level. I mean, if you can average more than five yards per carry, then that's a, that's a fully, that's a fully realized offense right there. The pendulum is swinging back. All right, before we go to the uh, money zone and everything, I just want to go overall. The, the combine's over. Is there any? Did you watch any interviews or anything? Or was that, am I the only one that's like enough of a dork for that? Uh, I watched a few. Um, I there's more that I want to go back and cycle through. Uh, Tavondre Sweat was fun. Oh, you? Oh, the, for the interviews? Uh, or for the or for running backs? Oh, just you know, interviews. Interviews. Oh, Tavondre Sweat. Okay, Tavondre Sweat. Was he the guy who said that he doesn't believe in planets? No, that guy was not fun. Oof. He was just crazy. <laughs> what did Devondre Sweat do? Devondre Sweat is the uh, dude that's uh, the Texas 
uh, defensive tackle is like 360 pounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he basically had a staring contest with the weigh-in guys <laughs> and was like, I'll weigh in when I'm ready. <laughs> Devondre Sweat, I think the thing that, that's most notable about him is everyone went to Texas's tape intending to watch him and then left thinking that the other defensive tackle was way better. Um, I feel um, like to, I feel like Byron, uh, Byron Murphy, Murphy the plays the sexier role. Like I feel like Devondre Sweat's kind of that dude that just he's the straw that stirs the he's drink. A, for a he's a lunch pail. He's a lunch pail guy. He, he, yeah, he, son he of comes a coach. In, he comes he comes in with the, with his lunch pail and does the dirty work. Okay, first guy in the gym, last guy off the practice field, that kind of guy. Quarter quarterback quarterback uh, quarterback interviews. I watched all. Of them. Caleb's was the funniest to me because he just I've never seen anyone who is so like. I don't know the way to put it. His ego, his ego is enormous. He's yes. He's like he's he thinks he is the goat already. It's like all right. That, to be honest with you, that's kind of the attitude you need so to be Johnny an NFL quarterback. <laughs> but like this guy's actually good. Um, that's the big. So the mill slayer. Like I'm just saying, the attitude isn't everything. But it, uh, he's better than both of those guys. I agree. Yes. So um, I think Caleb was was a fun one. Uh, uh, not quite an interview, but can we stop talking about Joe Milton? He's not good. He won't be good. Oh yeah. No yeah, amount of no amount of putting him on a practice squad or anything is going to make him good. He's Ryan Mallett. For he those can throw really far though. Used, that's it is yeah, cool. That's Ryan Mallett. It is cool. He can throw really far. <laughs> yeah, and really want, fast. If you have a too. if if you have a weak armed quarterback and you want a guy that can be your emergency quarterback in case you need to throw a Hail Mary, I guess go for it. I don't because he could throw from end zone to end zone if you needed to, I guess. Probably. I, I like Joe Milton. The after he threw that deep pass too, he turned around and did the finger guns and, <laughs> and blew it out. You know, he's like, yeah, Shooter McGavin right here. Um, <laughs> much like Shooter but, McGavin, he's gonna lose. I just, yeah, I cannot imagine Joe Milton becoming a good NFL quarterback. Like, it's just, it would be unreal because not only that, he landed in two of the best situations for him: Michigan, yes. where they're gonna ask not very much of him, and they were like, no, not this guy. Let's go with the freshman, and then and then he goes to Tennessee, which is like the Josh Heupel offense, offense. Is so friendly to quarterbacks. It's like a, it's like you pretend to play quarterback, and he still sucked. Was, yeah, yeah, he was basically playing quarterback in blitz, uh, in uh, at Tennessee, and it's like you just couldn't couldn't tap the X button. That's couldn't couldn't manage that. Drake Drake May seems really cool to me in the interview. I yeah. get why people people want to follow that guy. I think it's because he's been around. Uh, He's been around elite sports his whole life. You know, his dad yes. was a quarterback for North Carolina. His brother's an NBA player. Like he's he's just been around elite athletics forever. I think that was pretty pretty uh, telling for him. Uh, J J McCarthy is actually seems like a super cool hang from all the interviews I've seen. And he and he gassed our guy JSN up, which was cool. Yes, uh, Penix Penix did good in these interviews as well. I thought. Um, uh, UW crew in general, uh, there's a lot of buzz coming out of the combine about both their testing and their interviews. Um, Michigan, uh, it seems Michigan. pretty universally stated that they're, especially their offensive and defensive line, their trench players. Um, a lot of talk about how they were very mature, had a really good understanding of how uh, offenses and defensive work, like uh, really kind of professional coming out of the program. You know, people always said like, oh, they... They people always get kind of made fun of oh like they ran a pro style offense as being like a positive but like it is a positive it is it is one hundred percent something that matters and the fact that they ran like a real pro style offense uh, nothing's really changed that much for me though I'm still like at you know Caleb Drake Jaden and 
in that order and then jj mccarthy or Penix is the next guy depending on yep. what you depending on depending on your tolerance for risk uh, and you're and you're like you you do need a higher floor you could take Penix. he that guy can throw like and we know who he is um he's gonna be solid spencer rattler was a little less athletic than i wanted um yeah. he might have slid behind michael pratt for me because want... michael pratt heals from his injury i think that uh he's, bu- he's good he's interesting spencer rattler hype i just wanted to go away He's 24 years old. Just let it go. We 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 know since he was 18, he was the the phenom, and it just never happened. He can't. He's never gonna. He's too old. I don't. I don't know. I'm, I'm over it. Okay. Uh, let's go to the page Patreon. There are many ways to support CX Nest podcast. The best way to do so over to Patreon.com/slash/CXNest. And for as little as a dollar twenty four a month, uh, join the Discord and hang out with us. Uh, talk to us as many times as you want. Ask as many questions as you want. Emmanuel, Andy, Brett, Cooper, do it all for the Tucci, Evan, Flocktimus, Gavin, James, Joe, Joshua, Lucas, Malcolm, Ryan, Samuel, Terrence, Timothy, Tom, Astro, Blake, Bob, Carl, Casey, Cracksnacker420, Daniel, David, Feet Meat on Rifles, Jay, Luke, Michelle, Mike, Mike, Noah, Poops, Thomas, uh, Brandon, Nick, Chip. All right. Let's uh, let's do this. We're going to do Starship Troopers 1997. And why are we doing Starship Troopers, you might ask? Because the most popular video game on Earth right now uh, is Helldivers 2, uh, PC and PlayStation. Would you like to know more? About managed, direct, managed democracy. I play it. I've been playing it quite a bit. Uh, if you want to play with me, you know, drop your drop your friend code in the Discord. Um, play about an hour a day late at night. And uh, it's really fun. It's a really fun game. Uh, but it is a straight their storytelling is a straight ripoff of Starship Troopers 1997. Uh, Eric, you, Eric, you played Which, the first for the first game as well. And it is the same, right? Like, the, this uh, is, well, that's what you said. I mean, the first game was was much, much different in how it was built. I mean, you didn't land on oh, it's planet a, and blow up bugs. It's a twin stick shooter instead of yeah. a, instead of a exactly third, per, third they just, person. They just kind of updated. But I mean, it. the story, the story is like the a story makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, I thought we were doing this movie because it's the greatest movie ever made. We can we can go there as well. I mean, I just looking at this cast, it's I, I got to <laughs> be honest. The cast in this is so out there and so good in some places and like. Well, it's unbelievable we got, in other let's, places. Let's start with Michael Ironside, the goat. He's, so good. I love Michael Ironside in anything. Um, like he's the, not really like outside of Top Gun. He hasn't really been in any uh, like huge blockbusters. But really, this guy is always just he just right. plays a badass. You don't want to. You don't. He's perfection in this movie. He just yes. crushes. He just crushes like the roles that they give him. You just you put him in as the uh, as the as the you know that like you said, Eric, the kind of the jerk or whatever. And uh, he's just perfect. He's just so like the good. tough guy that you instantly respect. Yep, hundred percent. That intro moment when Rico shows up uh, to his squad is like, uh, and then his whole squad's like, "You suck!" And he's like, "Okay, maybe I need to reevaluate my opinion of my teachers." Like a very validating moment for Nathan and I. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so so let's uh let's let's start from like okay, where do we even start with this movie? Like, do we go over the plot? Do we uh um. I don't know. Uh, Eric, do you want to give a quick rundown of the plot? Okay, guys. <laughs> it's Earth. And we are at war with bugs. And these bugs are space bugs. They're from other planets, and they're launching spores at Earth. Uh-huh, and yep. we have to go out and stop In the forms of, like, meteors, basically. Yes. Yeah, they're asteroids. Yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. And they, you know, they, they land on Earth. They land on other planets. That's how they colonize. And guys, uh, you know, we got to put a stop to it. We got to stop the spread of communism. I'm sorry, bugs. 
and um, it's based on a Highland cut, cut novel. Cut it off at the source. Yes, which is also uh, very symbolic of some things. Yeah, and it's basically just a uh, a political commentary wrapped around a bunch of doofuses shooting bugs. So to move to the commentary piece just a bit, Paul Verhoeven making this a commentary about citizenship in a fascist state in a Robert Heinlein book is just like that chef's kiss. Like this is just my favorite part of this whole thing is the number of people that miss what the movie is doing is just perfect. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's just, he just turned the, turned the book on its head, which is just such an awesome, yeah. awesome thing to do. Um, yeah, I think like, I don't know. There's so many little, little things in this movie. One thing I like is that Casper Van Dien's tried to live off this for the last, uh, what is this now? Years. <laughs> what do you mean tried? I, I think he did. I think he did. You think he did? It. He made it? He has. How many, I mean, how many of these, how many Starship movies have, has he been in? Let's see. One, two, what? I think three. he took a couple off, off right? Yeah, didn't Four. he take a few off? He took one off. Oh, then he's been in, he's been, <laughs> he's been, been in five since then. Which is yeah, absolutely so he's absurd. Made it. And then he gets he's paid for it. appearing at Comic Cons and stuff. Like this is a honestly, uh, this is the uh, Charlie Whitehurst of uh, acting careers, and I I support it wholeheartedly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, can we talk about Brain Bug? I just think <laughs> I think it's so it's funny. Scared. I remember it's he's afraid. Scared. <laughs> he's afraid. And then the. Like, yeah, I just think that this movie has really great, like, commentary. And then there's just so many, like, this, little, what's like, they're little moments, like, just like when they're dissecting the bugs at the beginning of the movie. And yes, Denise Richards is like throwing up, and the blind lady is walking around, like, giving speeches about how they're like, evolution's finest, finest victory is the, the bugs. And there's the so blind lady, you mean Rue McClanahan, Rose, or not Rose, Blanche from Golden Girls? Yes. <laughs> uh, I, yes. And then, it's just I don't know every there's just like so many little moments like that where it's well, just like yeah, she's small she's things. hurling well uh the the lecture is going well like was it Diz Dizzy is just Diz like is totally reaching into, into the shoulder yeah, they're, they're all just like <laughs> they the Paul Verhoeven like comical levels of of gore and violence in this um to, to really drive the point home that this is satire is just that it's, it's an absolute uh, absolute classic. My without... favorite scene of this entire movie is when they're doing the training exercise and uh, Rube's helmet, because he's Rube no matter what he's playing, uh, <laughs> Rube from Major League 2's helmet is not working correctly and he takes a live round to the back of the head. His brain scatters all over the obstacle and the dude drops down to his knees and Rico's like, medic! And it's like, what's a medic gonna do, man? His head's when, all over that wall. When, J- when Jake Busey's all whining when they're training and he's like, why do we have to throw knives anyway? Yes. <laughs> the, guy, the guy hasn't put his hand up on the wall and just throws a <laughs> knife through it. So like, can't push buttons when I got your hand disabled. It's like, oh, okay. That's, the they, oh, that's what we're afraid of. Forces, guys. Uh, when he wakes up in the recovery tank and uh, Busey's like, hey, buddy, wake up. You're dead. You're dead. <laughs> That's uh, I, that is a line that I've used to wake my brother up when we were teenagers. Um, <laughs> like, it's, it's there's a, so many great moments like that. It's crazy how much Jake Busey looks like Gary Busey. Yes, like the the <laughs> the the, uh, the genetics are so strong. 
They also put a very Gary Busey moment in this movie, if if I if I may say, because I think it is, um, when you know they bring in all these crates to you know help the soldiers relax after yes! the battle, and he picks up a now. Granted, it's not a regular fiddle; <laughs> it's a space age fiddle from the future it's because it's <laughs> it's made of lucite and glows green. He was inspiring Jake, yellow card. <laughs> Jake Busey just pulls up the pulls out this fiddle <laughs> and goes to work. I felt like he channeled his father in that role and at that time and I was very excited. I think like the the overall theme of like Rico being so stupid that he's like the perfect citizen. Yes. <laughs> you know like like that like the idea that like he's so dumb that he now is like the best person that could possibly be leading this army because he's cuz cuz like you know you just require like some tools require a, a hammer. charismatic tool bag, yeah. <laughs> and you just, that's probably the best you way send, of putting it, You send in the hammer, you know, and it's like, that's like, I just, I don't know. I like that, that idea. And um, it's like, I remember at one point in my life, I was really frustrated that uh, he ended up with Denise Richards instead of Dina Myers. And because Diz is a way cooler character. And then as you get older, you're like, you know what? This dude wouldn't have known what to that's, do with this. That's the point. Yes. <laughs> it's like that. It's like exactly the point is that he he's lame. He's so stupid. <laughs> These people have traded away like any kind of like self expression to. Yeah, he's to... got live, love, laugh plastered all over his walls in his uh, <laughs> government issued apartment. Like he just, yeah, he just, he just brings he that just, home and he goes, yeah. He's just shuddering as he awaits the next pumpkin spice product to be announced. Like this guy's just basic and like, it's fine. But that's my favorite part is he and uh, uh, Casper Van Dyne was a great cast for that because you're trying to get a guy who uh, looks like default settings for a creative character for something. And that's him. Um, Can we can we hit some some casting in this movie? So we've got, you know, we've we've Golden Girls, Golden Girls, of course, and uh, the legendary Casper Van Dyne. But. Neil Patrick Harris, I think this was his to me. So he did a lot of stage work. Can you can you like the, can you please explain his character too? Uh, okay, so he's he's the nerdy friend at the beginning, mm-hmm. and they all enlist together. And he's like, "Yeah, I'm going to go into sciences because I'm I'm the brainy guy." And then he shows up later in not an SS uniform. <laughs> Absolutely not. I was trying to figure out how you were going to navigate that. <laughs> By oh, telling the ab- truth, Kevin, it's, it's not an SS. I was going to be like, he uniform. shows up as the leader of the Gestapo. <laughs> yes, uh, but he's 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 now got mental powers, which they tease earlier that, like, you know, you can... Will, the psychic will... card flipping? Yeah. No, psychic. Like, he's psychic. This is his friend by being like, uh, by random chance, you should have gotten some of these right by now. <laughs> which is just another proof of how uh, Casper and I is like basic. But they also <laughs> talk about how like there is training to bring this out in certain people. But yeah, he is the, he's a, uh, I guess he's a general in charge of reading bugs minds and gathering intelligence. He's got to read the mind of the brain bug, dude. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he knows he's afraid. <laughs> this is uh, know, this and, was his establishing himself as being not Doogie Hauser. Yes, this was a great role I was gonna say. to like, like make sure everyone knew that he did a lot of stage work. But this is like his first movie back where people saw him and said, "Hey, that's Doogie Hauser." And they're like, oh, actually, he's been doing a lot of theater work for a long time. And then yeah. uh, we, because of this, I feel like we got him in, uh, you know, the Harold and Kumar trilogy. And then, and then uh, we got we got Mr. Krabs plays the 
The Clancy Brown, one of the greatest character actors of all time, but he's also Mr. Krabs. Let's not yes, don't, yes, don't leave is. that out. He is Mr. Krabs, and that's a uh, Mr. Krabs. He's the he's their like uh, drill he was sergeant. So good at throwing uh, uh, throwing knives through Jake Busey's hand, um, and he had some he great was... lines about like washing out and everything. The whole washout lane, like those moments, were good. Uh, you've also got um, the guy from Breaking Bad, Dean Norris, who plays the uh, the FBI agent. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's in this. You've got a lot of young actors who went on to do some things, you know, like the actress who played Diz, um, Dina Meyer, uh, Amy Smart is in this for like a split second. Um, there's just like a lot of people that did nothing after this. A lot of people you'd seen before from that thing, Major League Two. It's very, and ec- then, it's very eclectic casting. For yeah, sure. and it, I think it works perfectly. You've got the the woman with the bra from Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she plays a commanding officer um brenda strong yeah yes yes uh i don't know i i know what this movie is doing i always have i've always thoroughly enjoyed it for for the right reasons and the completely wrong reasons it's it's, it's like if i was on a desert island and forced to watch this movie i'd be like oh, i could be worse movies so one thing i'll say about this movie and is that it started out as not mm-hmm. starship troopers it was called Bug Hunt at Outpost Seven. They brought it Great to name. the. They, they brought it <laughs> the to snakes the, on a plane. Name of bug shooting movies. Oh A-plus. my gosh! They, they brought it to the studio, and uh, producer John Davison was like, "Wait, this is kind of like Starship Troopers. It's like it's uh, fascist killing bugs." Now, obviously, like like we said before, they like conventionally it is. This is making fun of fascism. The other one. The other the book is kind of like incorporation of World War Two era propaganda and Red Scare propaganda throughout. I just I wanted to make sure that uh, they got mentioned because it's it's just brilliantly done. Yeah. And so I think that's like it's kind of awesome how like they had their own idea, but it was similar enough that they took the Starship Troopers property. How did they get what I want to know is how did they get the um, the rights to do it like to, to make to call it Starship Troopers? They, I mean, they, they probably had to license the IP. I yeah. feel like, and they said, "Don't worry, we're still going to make it about fascist killing bugs." That's and the thing so, is, if you just right. have someone read the script, and you don't have them see how it's going to be performed, it I mean, he- could look he- the way that you think it's going to look, and then he- it looks. Heinlein was looks. dead. Heinlein was dead, so maybe he just, it just didn't matter at that point. All right, so uh, that's basically it. I think. Watch Starship Troopers. It's funny. I think it's a movie that kind of stands up to the to the test of time. Um, one that, like, you know, on release was kind of panned because people weren't seeing it as goofy satire. Which it was being billed as like, and Eric, you probably were more tapped in than we were because of age. It was being billed yes. as like a straightforward action movie coming out of like the oh yeah late eighties, early nineties action. And if you go in looking for that, you're like, well, this is really cheesy. And it it's was like, like a, yes, it is. <laughs> it really looked to me like, man, this looks like a like a stupid action movie with a bunch of people I've never seen before. I'm not interested. And then when I saw it on like a pay channel, I was like, oh, man, this should this should have been like the greatest movie that everyone was talking about. And and we all missed it. We all missed the boat. All right. Well, uh, enjoy Starship Troopers or playing Helldivers 2 for Kevin, for Eric. We'll see you next week. Go Hawks.